All right, welcome to Sports with a Cuppa. Cheers. All right. Let's start baseball. And I want to welcome the Astros to the MLB offseason because it feels like they've been asleep for most of it. Everybody's, I mean, I didn't expect them to go out and spend a billion dollars like the Dodgers, but I don't know, at least try to make some improvements to a, a team that's been dominating the American League, but getting a little older, showing signs of getting past its prime. And finally, they went out and signed Josh Hader from San Diego. Fantastic closer last year. Um, what was it? 1.28 ERA, 30 some odd saves. So um, a nice addition. Five time All Star, by the way. So a nice addition to what they have with America's closer and Presley, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, and others. Because the bullpen definitely let them down in the playoffs, but so did the starting pitching. The offense was okay. The offense played well enough to win most games, but the pitching let him down. Like, Framber Valdez was just not himself. Uh, Verlander wasn't as dominant as he could have been, or at least he, he used to be. Urquidy had a nice couple outings, but pitching is what let them down. So getting Hater was a nice get. Record for record contract for a relief pitcher, so good for him. And it's a big year because, as others have pointed out, contract year for guys. You know, Altuve is coming up. Tucker, I can't remember if they got him an extension or not, but Bregman's got a contract coming up. And in two years, guys have contracts coming up. So at some point, they're going to need to spend money to stay competitive. I don't know how deep the minor league system still is for them. They've had a deep one. They've been able to plug and play guys, you know, look at um, Pena. Being able to replace Correa seamlessly is incredible. But it's going to get harder, especially with other teams willing to spend the money. You know, the Rangers are there now, the reigning champs. Dodgers spend a billion dollars. Yankees always spend millions, hundreds of millions. And I'll be very upset if they don't re-sign Altuve. That, that's, a, that's a personal one for me. But hey, they're awake. They did something. They did something good. And right on time because pitchers and catchers are getting ready to report. So cool. Uh, let's touch on the Cowboys because last week it, it, it was kind of funny because I said it specifically. It was Tuesday. And I said, Jerry has not fired Mike McCarthy yet. And I was like, that's a, that may not be a good thing if you're looking for a, to make a change. If you think the Cowboys are going to make a change and should make a change, not good that you didn't fire him on Monday. Because everybody gets fired on Monday. You either get fired on Monday or you get fired on Friday, right? Nobody gets fired on a Tuesday. Or a Wednesday. Now that I've had time to digest the decision to keep Mike, 
but not extending. So it's acknowledging like, hey, you're doing good. You may have something here, but we don't totally believe you're going to get it done. Or at the very least, it's like, but if you don't get it done, you're definitely out this time. And I think there is hope there. I mean, it's just the burden of being a Cowboys fan. You always got to find the hope. But logically looking at it, look, Dak is coming off, if not the best season of his career, it's definitely like his second best season of his career. I mean, new career high in completion percentage, new career high in touchdowns, uh, new career high in quarterback rating. I mean, what more could you really ask for? Under 10 interceptions. And you could argue a few of those are, as usual, you know, a few of those are not necessarily his fault. But 4,500 yards, 36 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions, and completing almost 70% of his passes, that's an outstanding year. And like I said last time, there's just a few holes you got to go fill. I'll say it again. A run-blocking lineman, a run-stuffing defensive lineman, and maybe a linebacker to replace Vander Esch as a run-stuffing linebacker. Just someone with a nose for the ball and a great tackler. And anything to help that secondary, because that secondary is overrated. The defense overall is overrated. I mean, honestly speaking, they're spectacular against teams like the Giants and the Commanders, who are trash. But put them against the 49ers, the Packers, and the Dolphins, and it's just not up to snuff, really. And Dan Quinn is still taking interviews. And I'm I'm still there. I'm not gonna sit here and say he's over. He I think Dan Quinn's maybe a little overhyped. I think he's properly valued because he did. He is the architect of this defense. But coaching wise, he got out coached <laughs> multiple times. And part of that's due to the personnel being a little overrated. I think, but I think part of that, a big part of that is believing your own hype and thinking that you could get away with doing what you've been doing. That's just my opinion. But I, I believe I'm right. So I, I, I like the decision to stick with McCarthy on a year-by-year basis. And hopefully he takes this offseason and say, all right, we're a year into the system. Our our running back core is good. Our receiving core is good. Our tight end core is good. See what they can do with the O-line. But now maybe add some wrinkles and creativity to the offense. Don't be so predictable. Get some of these other receivers involved. You paid Michael Gallup. Let's, let's give him the ball a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Texans, yeah, hey, you ran up against the best team in the AFC, probably the best team in the NFL. Gave them a hell of a first half, but fell short. It's to be expected. No one expected you to be there. <laughs> an extremely successful, uh, ah, successful season. Let me use my words. Let me use English. 
take a sip of coffee and maybe I'll wake up a little bit. Um, Double-edged sword a little bit this season. I, I mean, a, a, an overachieving season. But now going into the next year, now you have expectations. And I'm just curious to see how that team handles it. I think C.J. Stroud handled just fine because he's out of Ohio State. And if you, when you're the quarterback of Ohio State, every year you're expected to compete for a national championship. So expectations should be nothing new for him. But a lot of these guys are not used to going into the season saying, hey, we're, we're supposed to win the division. And I think it's fair to say we expect Houston to compete and win the division next year. I, I think that's fair. How are they going to respond to those expectations? Well, I mean, we'll see. I give them a solid chance. Jacksonville is good, not great. Indy is... Indianapolis is a question mark because is they're good, but we don't know how good they can be because Richardson didn't get to play a lot. So I, I, I give them a legitimate chance to win the division again. Now, if can they improve the team and be good enough to hank with Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore? I don't know. They definitely got to improve the O-line, give C.J. Stroud more time to throw. He, I mean, the dude's just got a cannon, and he's accurate. And getting Tank Dell back is going to be huge. So, I, again, I'm just you know, like the Cowboys. Fill a few holes and make a run, and you never know. All right, let's switch to the NBA. We're a little past the halfway point now. Or right at it. First off, these articles and such with grading teams' first half performances. I'm not a big fan of that. You know, I get everybody with every little thing needs some mechanism to quantify things and the easiest thing to do is to put a grade on it because we've been doing that since kindergarten but well I don't know if they grade in kindergarten that'd be kind of messed up tell a kindergartner here's an F but I don't know I digress um, I've seen a few different ones especially for the Spurs and the grades are I guess you would say failing grades, C's, D. I mean, C's probably passing in some schools, but I understand the thought process of giving the Spurs a failing grade for the first half of the season. Well, let me put it like this. If you're sitting there and you say, oh, man, the season's been an F or a D or something like that, my question to you is, what are they failing at? What are they failing at? There was no expectation for them to win anything this year. There was no there was no playoff aspirations. There was no playing aspirations. This is not a good team. There's I've said it before, I've said it a hundred times. There's a reason why we had the number one pick. We didn't just tank. We were not good. 
Watch the games. We are not that good at basketball. We have moments, and there's times where we're a little bit better than the other team because the other team might be playing bad basketball, and we're well coached. But a lot, I mean, look at the game again last night against Washington. 17 turn was it 17 turns in the first half? Some ungodly number like that. That was really not good basketball for the most part. I mean, hell, they were down 10 with less than six minutes to go, but then Wimby and Kelvin came back in and just played magnificent basketball down the stretch. I'll get into that more in a minute, but I just I don't like the grading system, and I don't like grading. Um, uh, I don't I don't like looking at a partial picture. Half the season is just a partial picture. And truth, the Spurs season really didn't start until that Milwaukee game. Everything before that was extended preseason. Yeah, I wish Victor had had the opportunity like Chet to sit for a year, get to know this system, get to know the guys, build some camaraderie and all that, and be better prepared for this year. But, you know, he had to go through all all of that right in front of us on the floor. But looking around the league, I mean, there's clearly a top six, top seven teams. Boston definitely looks the most dangerous, but I don't, I don't love their style or at least their mentality of we're going to shoot the most threes so we can make the most threes. Now, I'm not going to go as far as Kendrick Perkins and completely disrespect Joe Mazzula. Uh, big reason why I just don't watch these networks anymore. Um, asinine comments like that. But I watched the the Boston-Denver game for the most part, and that, the end of the game, yeah, time management was a problem. The play was kind of the right one, but Tatum kind of rushed it. But they had the ball with, like, what, 17-some-odd seconds to go. And they were just running around trying to get an opening. And then with like four seconds to go, they call timeout. That timeout should have came a lot sooner. That would have given you more time to set up Tatum in the post and allow him to go to work. Instead of kind of rushing it. He had more time, but he rushed it and forced up a bad shot. But I will say this, a Boston-Denver Finals would be amazing. A Philly-Denver Finals would be amazing. That Philly-Denver game was really good too. But that Boston-Denver game really showed why why Denver's the reigning champs. When it comes to the end of the game, they're going to make all the right plays. And they're going to lock down on defense. So that's what gives them such an edge over everybody. Now, I've liked Boston the past couple of years, and they've let me down. But I like them again. I'll like them until they get knocked out, and I don't know who can do it. I mean, Embiid is on an absolute tear right now. But, I am I mean, it's great for him. I'm, it's impressive, but you're on a tear in the middle of an 82-game season. You need to be on a tear 
when you're in a seven game playoff series. So it's cool that you're doing it's cool what he's doing now, but this is not when it really counts. This is I'm trying to get my team a top seed. I'm trying to win MVP again. Do it when you're trying to win a championship. When it really counts. Just saying. But I love what he's doing. I love the fact that they're beyond Harden. Maxie's playing good basketball. Tobias Harris is back to his old self. We'll see if they add to that mix. But Philly's looking really good too. But then shifting to the West. Yeah, we're still looking at Minnesota and OKC as 1-2. OKC just beating Minnesota. Anthony Edwards didn't like some of the foul calls. and I didn't see the game, but I'm sure... I'm sure there were some questionable stuff, but you look at those two teams and you wonder who who out of those two would have the best chance at the finals run. Now you got Minnesota, who's got veterans and an up and coming superstar, and Anthony Edwards, not a superstar yet, because you know my rule. Got uh, you know my rule on that, but OKC is sitting there with a lot of young talent. A budding star in Shea, averaging over 30 points a game. But I still would give a slight edge to Minnesota just because of the experience of those veterans. Last season, they actually went the whole playoff series against Denver. Fairly whole series. I mean, they only did they even win a game? I can't remember if they won a game. I think they won a game. But... OKC hasn't been there. What I mean, are they going to win a playoff series? Yeah, more than likely. Because, I mean, right now they would play Sacramento, and they would probably beat Sacramento. But what happens when you run into Denver in that second round? Get past Denver somehow. All right, well, now you got to face Minnesota. And they're at home. And Anthony Edwards is playing great basketball. And you're not going to get the calls you were getting in the regular season. Playoff basketball, it always changes a little bit. And you haven't been there before. So I I would definitely give Minnesota an edge right now, at least. We'll see if they hang on to those top spots. Because Denver's still right there. They're only a game and a half out of number one. Yeah, they're still the class of the West. They're still the class of the league. Let's just be real. But let's... Let me get into the Spurs game against Washington for a moment because it was it was a good game. A little worrisome though because you you figure Washington's top end heavy. You know you got Kuzma, you got Poole, but after that they're a pretty weak team. I mean, uh, no disrespect, Tyus Jones. And then no Daniel Gafford, who I think is an underrated big man in the league. But you expected, especially the way they've been playing for the most part, that they should have at least controlled the game more. But the turnovers, like I said earlier, were just horrendous. It was everywhere. Wimby's turning the ball over, forcing things a little bit too much. You could tell that that game he was pressing it a little bit. I don't know if it's because he just wanted to show up, show well against his buddy or what have you, but... I also wonder if it's this miss a game, play a game, if he feels like he like has to 
do extra to make up for not being able to play. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's where some of the inconsistencies are coming on these back some of these back to back games where he's there and he's not. It's almost like a G League team where it's like, oh, hey, one game we have top prospects and two way guys, and then the next game, oh, well, now we don't have those guys anymore. So that's got to be a little hectic, if you will. But then that fourth quarter, the second half of the fourth quarter, that last five, six minutes was really impressive. Down 10, and these guys are making, Washington was making plays, making threes. Kispert was just destroying us, and that was annoying. But then Wimby and Keldon come back in, and they lock in. And even though they made a bunch of mistakes and had a bunch of turnovers, they didn't make any critical turnovers. When it came to them to win, one, they're just better coached. No disrespect to Wes Unsell Jr., but that's where great coaching comes in. And two, having the proper lineup now with Trey Jones running the point, Sohan being himself, Devin didn't have a great shooting night, but still was able to hit some timely shots. And then Victor being Victor on both ends, it just propelled them for enough to win the game. And then the, the shot making, the shot decisions by Washington at the end were a little questionable. Kuzma's three points, three point shot at the end was, uh, well, uh, say so Pop would not have liked that if it was the Spurs. But it just showed how different this team is since that Milwaukee game than before. Because before that, I don't think the comeback happens. I think there would have been a lack of cohesion. I think communication would have been bad. Defense would have been okay, but it wouldn't have been at this level. Not saying it's a high level, but it's a good level right now, especially facing bad teams. Um, the chemistry between Wimby and Sohan is looking mighty nice. Mighty nice. They're finding each other. It's not a one-way street. It's not just Sohan trying to be a point guard to get him to Wimby the ball. It's it's just both ways. It's like now Wimby, now uh, Sohan is able to be himself, but carry over some lessons he may have learned when he was trying to be a point guard. And that's... That's an awesome thing to see. His three-point shooting, I kept saying it's improved, and damn it, it has. His little mid-range fadeaway is still coming up short way too often. He's got to figure something out. But almost every time he goes to that little mid-range fadeaway, that post-fadeaway, it's always short. Would love to see him change something with that. Maybe not fade so much or something. I don't know. Um... Still need more consistency from Devin. But, I mean, it's a long season. It's just, and Trey Jones back in a spot that I felt like was always his. And when it comes, everybody's just going on and on about point guard and the draft, Topic or Castle or Collier. 
I'm telling you right now, when it comes to this year's draft, and I think they've said it in the past, and I don't know if they approach it every year the same way, but I think they do. Spurs are just going to go best available. It's going to come down to which picks they get. Hopefully we do get that Toronto pick. I mean, you can look at the draft and say it's weak and all this and that. Look, you don't know. There are no experts. Nobody knows anything. They, there may not be any flashy names on that board. There's no, there's definitely like, you know, there's no Wimby. There's no Bancaro. There's no Anthony Edwards. But remember, Manu was a second round pick. Joker was taken during a commercial break for Taco Bell. Like, you don't know. The greatest of all time could be in this draft. You don't know. It's not likely, but you don't know. It'd be awesome if, if there was. That'd be different. It'd be unexpected. But there's still quality basketball players in this draft. And to add two of you know, the perceived top upper end of that it would be nice. And to add any kind of combination of you know, Topic and and or Cody Williams or Jacoby Walter and and Shepard or you know just any combination to add quality prospects to this squad is good because this team's not going anywhere until Wimby becomes who we hope he becomes. I think it's gonna be sooner than people think, but it's not gonna be this year and it's not gonna be next year. And there's still too much ahead of us. And we don't build through free agency. Championship teams just don't build through free agency and trades. The only ones that have successfully done that have brought in one of two players, LeBron or Kevin Durant. Period. So we're not bringing any of those guys. And I saw that little headline that we're favorites to land LeBron next year if he leaves LA. I don't know where that's coming from. And I know the story's always been there that he's going to go wherever Bronny gets drafted. But I would not mind Bronny. Good player. He's not spectacular right now. I mean, come on, he had the heart issue, and then, you know, he's a freshman in college, new team, new teammates, getting used to everything. But, I mean, just based on bloodline, like, you know there's a prestigious bloodline there that you could tap into. He may not ever be anywhere near what his dad was, but man, you know, he's going to be quality, high quality basketball player. But again, we don't know. Cause a lot of guys that had dads playing the league really never amounted to much of anything. Too many of those guys never really amounted to anything. Tim Hardaway Jr. is doing well, but you don't put him in the same conversation as his dad. I mean, Tim Hardaway is a legend. Tim Hardaway Jr. is good. Might win six man of the year. But, like, Glenn Robinson's kids haven't done anything. Sky Pippen's kids haven't done anything. I'm probably forgetting others, but... But, yeah, I mean, it's just... It's going to be best available. I, Because, I, again, I've said before... The problems fans perceive may not be the same ones that the team sees. And I, I said it when Trey got the contract. Okay, good. They're going to give him two years to show that he can run the system with Wimby. 
then they started this year with the great experiment with for whatever reason but Trey Jones gets two years to show that he can do it and you don't necessarily need a superstar point guard to win a championship you need a good one but you don't need a superstar or star point guard don't forget we won in 99 with Avery Johnson nobody would call him a star and even when we had Tony in 03, it took Speedy Claxton really to get us over the hump. So you don't need a star point guard, especially when you have a great big man. Denver's just lucky to have Jamal Murray, who they drafted, by the way. But they will wrap it up there. Uh, well, I'll touch on their upcoming games. Uh, they got Philly tomorrow. Philly's going to probably destroy us um and be like i said he's on a tear we have no one that can guard him uh i don't think we have anyone that can stay in front of maxi with his speed so monday's gonna be a rough game to watch wednesday's the matchup okc comes to town chet versus wimby we caught we got a preview of it in the preseason it was funny because they both didn't do anything it was like the worst game ever um I think Wimby gets I don't think he really gets outshined but I think Chet has a good game because I think the team mentalities are going to be very different yeah OKC sitting there at number 2 with a bunch of talent and they can go into it saying we want to win this game with Chet starring Spurs can't do that they have to continue doing what got them there and while it'd be great if Wimby has a great game, this game could get ugly pretty quickly and Wimby could get shut down and not even play a lot. Not shut down like, okay, so he's going to shut him down, but like Pop is going to sit him and say, and it's not worth it. Believe me, I would love to see Wimby go out there and dominate, but OKC is the better team. And I think they're going to want to lock in for Chet. Whereas the Spurs team is not going to lock in and try to do it for Wimby. Because it's not the Spurs way. No one person is more important than the other. They're not going to put one person above the team. Then that's alright. It is what it is. Chet can enjoy early success. Wimby's going to have the long-term success. But yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Good show. Appreciate you listening. Follow the show on Twitter, Swagfish Pod, Instagram, Sports with a Couple of Some Underscores.